This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host, PWI Senior Writer Al Castle, with my co-host, fellow Senior Writer Dan Murphy. How are you, Dan? I am your brother Nero to your crazy Matthew. <laughs> brother, <laughs> Nero. <laughs> brother Nero. Brother yeah, Nero. Uh, yes. Yeah, we may actually talk some uh, TNA this week, thanks to a certain viral video. Um, and, and much more uh, to talk about, too. You may hear in the background, I've got NXT TakeOver on uh, as we speak, watching live. If anything uh, newsworthy pops up here, maybe we'll go into it. Um, Dan, uh, we're going to be talking Brock Lesnar returning to UFC, maybe talk some AJ Styles uh, and uh, whatever else is going on. And uh, later on the show, got portions of my... Hot seat interview with TNA heavyweight champion uh, Drew Galloway. Uh, it's an interview conducted several weeks ago and is featured in the current August issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Uh, we're going to have some highlights of that interview that are not included in the uh, magazine. These are exclusive to the podcast. But if you want the whole interview, definitely go to pwi-online.com. Pick up the issue. It's got our WrestleMania coverage. Uh, Dan's uh, real winners and losers of WrestleMania. We had some fun with that feature a couple weeks ago here, uh, and a lot more. As I said, my interview with Drew Galloway. We've got Dan's uh, work with the PWI poll, uh, asking some of the, the most pressing questions in wrestling to our, our subscribers, uh, and a lot, lot more. It's uh, another fun issue. Uh, check out the cover on our Facebook page. You can see it there. Uh, find us on Facebook. And uh, we're on Twitter, at OfficialPWI, all that. And as I said, um, the place to go is pwi-online.com. You could buy a single issue. You could subscribe. If you do subscribe, um, you, you can get the magazines at a deep, deep discount, an either, even deeper discount if you subscribe to the digital edition, which also comes out uh, a lot faster. And uh, what else can we say? 84 full-color pages. Um Great work, great photos, everything that makes PWI, PWI. Uh, Dan, what are you working on now? Well, now we're, we're kind of in, in between issues again. Um, what I actually conducted quite the interview um, yesterday. I don't know how much uh, I could say about it, but... Um, I don't know. Well, I'll say this. Uh, it is a major, major... WWE star who uh, has not been giving a lot of interviews as of late. That'll be in, I, I guess, whatever, what'll that be, the October issue, I guess? Um, uh, that, that'll that be my big contribution to that issue, I guess. And No, and I also, what did I just do? Oh, and I also did, uh, what was that, 25, uh, good, uh, 25 things we like and 25 things we dislike. Uh, about WWE, and, and we had the staff's input uh, on that. Um, we circulated that a while, and everybody put together their list, and we narrowed it down to 25 and 25, and that was a lot of fun. What, what do you got going on with the issue? I've got a, a really good story on Jack Stane, the NWA champion. Really interesting guy, and especially really interesting with uh, Bruce Tharp, the, the head of the NWA, who apparently met with Triple H in uh, – in Florida a couple days ago, the pictures got out on social media, you know, the NWA title with Triple H, and he's apparently at NXT right now, which is kind of interesting. Hmm. But uh, a good story on Jack Stane, who's really kind of a little bit off the radar, but a really fascinating story and uh, an interesting guy. Um, great, great respect for the game and, and a, a good um, personality. Uh, a feature on uh, Jade from TNA, the Knockouts champion, and kind of... A really interesting thing, and, and kind of talking to her, she brought up this line that the, it will be more in the magazine, obviously, but how when she was a, a kid, she was picked on. She was kind of bullied because uh, people picked on her for being um, mixed race with being half Korean and, and calling her fat. And she was kind of like an ugly duckling story. And to think of like, you know, this beautiful knockouts champion as being the ugly duckling is, is pretty kind of crazy. 
Uh, but she talks about how that kind of helped form who she is today and what she's become, uh, which is really interesting. And, and the other thing is, I mean, that's in the next issue of PWI, but also on the radar in the very, you know, it's coming up like a, a, a approaching thunderstorm is the uh, PWI 500. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. We were initially going to have our first meeting uh, tomorrow night, Thursday night, we have to reschedule for some reasons, yep. uh, and I think now we're on for next Thursday. Uh, we'll probably have a couple of those, and yeah, before you know it, it'll be here. We'll be uh, wasting many a summer night, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, yes. bunkered down, just just putting this thing together. You know, and, and people will will always, you know, get on who was ranked where, and who, you know, the, the ranking process. The ranking process is. It's difficult, obviously. It's it's a major aspect, but then once the ranking is uh, written and confirmed and ready to go, there's all of the writing of the bios, and that's yeah. that's the kind of front work that that goes in behind the scenes. And uh, yeah, it 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 leads in the fact that you do it in the summer months where it's so hot and the weather's so nice yeah. outside, and you're sitting at a laptop trying to figure out, you know, how do we what do we write about Jay Uso that we didn't write about? <laughs> Does Jay go first? Does Jimmy go first? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that whole deal. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a really interesting list this year. Um, you know, I, I sat down yesterday. I, I circulated what I thought would be my top 10. And it's really just a starting point. You know, I certainly won't, you know, put up much of a fight for that top 10. But it's sort of, you know, off the top of my head who I think needs to be in the conversation and I got to tell you, I had a hard time just getting to 10. It uh, is. It, yeah. it, you know, the, there are, um, you know, it, it's not very stiff competition uh, uh, this year. It, 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 You don't have those, you know, there have been years, lots of years where there's just so many standouts. There's a, a, a big debate over number one, uh, certainly, and a big debate over you know, this guy should be in the top 10, but there's so many other worthy guys in the top 10. You know, I think it might be the kind of year where the number 10 on any other year, you know, maybe would have made the top 20. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I think uh, there's going to be a fair amount of international influence in that top 10. Um, I think, you know, NXT in front of me, TakeOver, I think NXT is going to be very well represented in that top 10. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how it all plays out. And you mentioned too, with everything going on, Slammiversary coming up this weekend that we kind of mentioned. NXT going on right now is we're we're taping this. But New Japan just had the best of the right, Super Junior sure. with Will Ospreay, um, Brock Lesnar that announcement with UFC and with AJ Styles and the club right now. This is the most exciting June I can think of in in years. I mean. This is always that kind of post-WrestleMania lull, a little bit before the build-up to uh, SummerSlam, and there's so much going on. It's it's pretty incredible. It's a great time to be a wrestling fan right now. Yeah, and then Money in the Bank is around the corner, and that's going to be very newsworthy. Who, who comes out of that with the uh, the briefcase? And whoever does, I mean, you have to expect will fact, factor uh, big into WWE's plans later in the year. So, uh, yeah, I agree. A very exciting June. Not sure where to begin. Um you mentioned it. Why don't we talk a bit about Brock Lesnar? Uh, I'm a big UFC fan, you know, nearly as big a, an MMA fan as a pro wrestling fan. And I was watching Saturday night when um, they revealed the news that Brock Lesnar will be part of UFC 200. Now we know he's taken on Mark Hunt. Um, WWE released a, a statement shortly afterwards, kind of confirming it, sanctioning it. Uh, saying it's a one-off, we'll see about that. I, I think Brock Lesnar might have something to say about that, especially if he wins. Uh, but what do you make it all of it? I mean, uh, it it seems like potentially a big risk to put out uh, whatever he is now, a 38, 39-year-old Brock Lesnar against potentially the the most powerful knockout artist in all of MMA, a guy who's made his reputation for throwing a punch and then not even bothering to watch the guy um, go down, just walks away. It's like the uh, the walk-off home run. Uh, and we, we know Brock Lesnar can be knocked out. He has been more than once. And WWE, you know taking the the post-UFC Brock Lesnar has done uh, an amazing job of building him up 
as unstoppable, unbeatable. Um, you know, Mark Hunt, uh, again, might might throw a monkey wrench into that. And what does that do to uh, the WWE version of Brock's Le- Brock Lesnar? I'm not sure. I mean, you mentioned that Brock Lesnar has been knocked out, and he has. But that those knockouts haven't hurt his marketability in WWE. WWE was still able to make Brock Lesnar a monster, even though he had had losses previously. Now, the diverticulitis was a a nice kind of convenient way to say that he wasn't at his best when he lost and and things like that. But WWE so far has been able to protect their image, this untarnished image of Brock Lesnar as the ultimate fighting machine. You know, no offense to Kamo Mustafa who used that. (laughs) But but as, as like the monster character, persona, bigger than life, now, if Mark Hunt walks out there and knocks him out in nine seconds, wow, WWE's got some trouble on their hands. They might be able to recover. They might not. It, Hunt is a submission or a, a knockout specialist, and with the WWE now paying as much attention to concussions, it's entirely possible if, if he does take some headshots that he may have a concussion that he'll have to yeah. deal with going into SummerSlam. And what does that so, mean for SummerSlam? Yeah, there's, there's a lot that can happen. The thing is, Lesnar is an established figure, and and WWE has only got him for limited dates, and they're really not doing a lot with him. They're not building around him. He's just kind of a added attraction, a bonus that they bring in periodically. I think the bigger side to this, and this is why I think Vince McMahon would have improved uh, approved this UFC appearance, is whatever he might be getting in a trade off sure. for UFC, and the big theory would it be that. That's Ronda Rousey. Well, there's rumors now of uh, Paige Van Zandt somehow being involved in SummerSlam. To me, that doesn't mean nearly as much as what Ronda would. I mean, Paige has got a name now coming off of Dancing with the Stars, but she doesn't have that that, that badass persona that Ronda does. She's kind of adorable. She's like this, you know, cute cheerleader who can fight. But she doesn't have the the Ronda Rousey aura, so I don't think it'll mean nearly as much. So, is it both? Is it just kind of opening open up uh, the lines of communication between Dana White and uh, Vince McMahon uh, to work together? So, I, I do think that's probably where Vince McMahon's head is at. Uh, but a couple of things to keep in mind that, that you mentioned. Uh, it's true that the the knockouts that Brock Lesnar suffered before coming to WWE didn't affect him uh, as much. But the thing is that at the time, you didn't have all that many WWE fans following Brock Lesnar's MMA career because he was done. He was an ex-WWE wrestler. Um, Now you've been building Brock Lesnar up for whatever it's been, four years as one of the faces of WWE. Um, WWE fans will tune in to see this fight. And if he looks great and he goes out there and he beats uh, Mark Hunt, fantastic. I mean, Vince McMahon will just be jumping for joy. Yep. Uh, but if he, you know, as you said, if, if he gets knocked out in nine seconds, that could be tough. And and I, But I don't think it is <clears throat> um, the kind of thing that you can't build back from. I think you can. You know, um, that's what WWE does. I, and, and uh, you know, even in, in real life, whether it's, um, you know, Conor McGregor, uh, being uh, tapped out by Nate Diaz some months back, still a huge star. Some would argue a bigger star, or you know, one of the biggest stories in in the news of the last week: the death of Muhammad Ali, um, a guy who suffered his losses uh, in the ring and was still you know considered the greatest. So, right, a, the, the, a loss doesn't have to destroy you, and doesn't necessarily even have to hurt your your aura of being a, a tough guy all that much. Right. There, there's also marketability in the redemption story. Um, sure. You know, when, when Mike Tyson was was the heavyweight champion, he was just unprecedented. He was steamrolling everybody in one round or, or less. And, and then when he got knocked out by Buster Douglas, now with Mike Tyson in that particular case instance, uh, he had the rape charges and, and the trial that we were going on that kind of diluted this. But after he got knocked out by Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson became this interesting character because 
how does the unstoppable juggernaut recover from losing? Like, how does he build himself back up? Can he do it? It, it created more interest in that persona. Now, that's something that's tailor-made for wrestling. That is yeah. a cliche in pro wrestling. Terry Funk, ECW. Here he is, the, the Desperado, coming back for one more ride and, and all the fans rallying for redemption. So worst-case scenario for Vince McMahon. Brock Lesnar is humiliated and knocked out and, and beaten badly, which I don't expect to happen. But worst case scenario, that happens. Brock Lesnar then comes on WWE TV, says, you know, he, I was a victim of my own arrogance. I had bad advice. Paul, Le, uh, Paul Heyman and, and Lesnar have a falling out. Now he's a baby face and makes one last run for the title for redemption. Boom, sure. boom. Yeah. Instant money, you know. So, so you can the, the beauty of pro wrestling is you can book around those type of things. So yeah. I think Vince McMahon is smart enough to realize that he has more opportunities, um, especially if he can work a trade and bring in Rondo or any of the other horsewomen and, and make something happen. Um, but I don't think a, a loss, while it would be a bit of an embarrassment for Lesnar and WWE and pro wrestling as a whole, I don't think it's devastating. No, I, I do think where there is that embarrassment factor is – even if you you do try to rebuild Brock and go right back to him being a killer and and going on this uh, kind of redemption uh, uh, mission, you know, do, do you risk? And look, everybody knows what the deal is, but do you risk uh, uh, exposing WWE in the sense that? Um, you know, here's this guy who in WWE land can destroy everybody's unstoppable, but you know. A, a trained MMA fighter had an easy time with him. If that's what's ha what happened. Now the flip side of that is when, when I heard about Lesnar returning to UFC, and I heard people floating the name Mark Hunt around and and other like top ranked fighters, heavyweight fighters. I thought no way. There's there's no way that um, Dana White uh, or Vince McMahon for the matter would be okay with him taking on uh, a top guy. They're they're gonna put a tomato can in front of him, you know. Yeah. Um, and. But then you think about it, maybe this is the way to go. Because if he is beat, then he lost to the best, right? He lost yeah. to uh, a top-ranked guy, a guy who just a few months ago was competing for the heavyweight title in UFC. Um, you know, versus what if you do put him out against the, the proverbial Tamita Can, and it's the same result. He gets knocked out in 10 seconds. Then that's really hard to uh, build back from, I think. But you know, a another risk is again, Bisukman called it a one-off. Um, I don't know. I mean, if you've heard Brock Lesnar doing the rounds uh, since Saturday, he's talking about UFC um, as more than a one-off. And and one thing that I think has got to get Bisukman's uh, goat is when he's talked about WWE in the past, he talks about. Um, you know, being being older and having to provide for his family uh, and that kind of thing. But you you don't – I've never sensed a passion there. As great as he is, and it really speaks to uh, Brock Lesnar's talent and natural ability and gifts that a guy who doesn't seem that passionate about his job in, in pro wrestling can be so great at it. But you hear him talk about um, UFC. I mean, he said that since he he made that decision, and, and you remember him going on – Sports Center just before WrestleMania uh, right. 31 and announcing that he was through with uh, MMA, that it's eaten away at him, that it's haunted him, that kind of stuff. Um, that can't be the kind of language that, that Vince McMahon, you know, wants to be hearing because, again, this does not sound like a one-off. This this sounds like a guy who wants to make another run at this. Um, and and certainly if, if he wins uh, at UFC 200, I just can't imagine that he that's going to be good enough for him and he'll walk away. Yeah, and you touched on a lot of things there. Uh, first of all, you mentioned how, you know, a loss for Brock Lesnar and, and how damaging that could be for kind of WWE. Here's the guy who's a, a monster in that world who, and I, I certainly don't want to say it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to lose to Hunt. I don't think, I, I think he's going to win, but I'm kind of in the minority from what I hear. But, um the point is, 10 years ago, it would have been a big deal. 20 years ago, it would have been a very big deal. 30 years ago, a huge deal. Wrestling now is a little bit isolated. It doesn't matter how tough you are. It matters more about how good of an entertainer you are. And, and that's well known. And, and that's, 
you know, it's not going to destroy the business like it might have done in a bygone era. Uh, it, it, the biggest viral video in wrestling over the past couple weeks was uh, Ricochet and Will Ospreay, um, again from the New Japan show, and a match that Vader and other critics have called uh, essentially dance choreography. Um, but at the same time, other people have thought, you know, they're, they're claiming it's match of the year. It just depends on your perception, whether you think that wrestling is a tough man contest or whether you think it's just excitement and uh, really well done fight sequences. And and that's really kind of, you know, that varies person to person. So a, a Lesnar loss isn't going to be the worst thing in the world. The other thing, though, is Lesnar in WWE has, has really transitioned his persona over the past couple of years, year and a half. Um, when he first came back, and he laid out John Cena the night after WrestleMania a couple of years ago, and 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 he was just using the UFC stuff, and 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 he was uh, this pro wrestling shoot fighting hybrid. Now, really, he's just he's he throws German suplexes. Yeah, like that's it. Like he, he's he's not the same performer, the same character that he was, where he was out wrestling guys, overpowering them. Doing now, he's just kind of resorting to a few, you know three moves of doom basically you know and, and two of the three are german suplexes uh th that's basically he, he's kind of become a caricature of what he was within wwe itself so that being established him losing in ufc if it were to happen i don't know how much it would affect his wwe persona yeah it, it's a good point um you 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 know i feel like for the first two three years of this run in wwe you felt they were building, 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 building to, to some cl uh, climax. I mean, certainly ending the streak, winning the title. Um, it it feels like that's kind of come and go, right? Like um, they, they've hit that peak. It's hard to point exactly where it was. I'm not sure they ever got everything out of it that they wanted. Um, but the fact is, for whatever reasons, and there were different reasons, there were injuries, um, you know, his WrestleMania match this year was pretty forgettable. It was a, a mid-card match with Dean Ambrose um, that, that's not going to be remembered as, as something special. So, yeah, and, and when you look at the landscape, you know, I think he's always good for a, a special attraction, and, and they've already said that he's going to be part of SummerSlam. Uh, but you, you don't get that sense anymore that, you know, to use their phrase, he is the guy anymore. I mean, he, he might be, again, a, a, an occasional special attraction, but I, I don't know that there's a lot more that they can get out of Brock Lesnar anymore. And, you know, maybe that's kind of a shame, or, or maybe it's just a reality that that's what you're going to get out of that guy. What about this? You've got NXT going on in the background there. What's what's the latest? What's happening over uh, there? Right now, you've got Samoa Joe and uh, Finn Balor. Seems to be a fun match. Uh, I believe Asuka just uh, won the previous match. And I'm half waiting for, you know, I don't know, somebody oh. to show up. They showed Neville in the audience. That's oh, about, nice. as, about as much of a surprise as, as there's been tonight. So. Uh, maybe Bruce Tharp. Bruce Tharp from the NWA runs in and creates the big NWA <laughs> invasion that was uh, left for dead in '94 with Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> right with the uh, with the new uh, Midnight Express. Exactly. Yeah. Bombastic Bob and Bodacious Bart. <laughs> Such a great bombastic Bob. Just great. Let uh, let's talk a little more. Uh, uh, well, let, let one topic, uh, and then we could uh, maybe talk a little TNA for once. Um, AJ Styles, uh, that yes. was a huge angle uh, a week ago now with John Cena's return, and there was that uh, stare down in the ring that really had the crowd going nuts. And of it, of it, not at first. They, they thought it would be that huge moment, and they stared at each other, and it wasn't there. It wasn't there until like an awkward two or three minutes in of them staring that the crowd picked up. I thought it was very... I thought it was flat at first. That's and a good point. I mean, it, it, it feels like they're kind of trying to fabricate this dream match. And it is a match that people wanted to see. But I don't think it's the kind of thing that for years people have been wondering, oh, what if John Cena and AJ Styles ever locked up? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it ended in what I thought was a terrific angle um, with, with AJ and the club uh, triple teaming Cena. 
And now, pretty clearly, uh, AJ has uh, turned into a rule breaker. He's gone heel, as they say. And um, that's the match we got in, in Money in the Bank. What was your take on all that? Did, did you enjoy it? I did. I, I thought it was really well done. And, you know, there's very little in wrestling that surprises me, um, having been watching it for 30 years or so. But the AJ Styles heel turn did surprise me. It shouldn't have. I mean, it, you know, it, it was very well done. It, it yeah, it was a good kind of surprise. Surprise, right. but not a surprise for the sake of surprising people. It made sense. Exactly. Yeah. And and it wasn't shocking or anything. It, it's not the kind of thing like, oh, my gosh, I'll always remember. What... It's not when Hulk Hogan turned and joined the NWO. Right. It, it didn't. But it, it just kind of um, AJ Styles had been portrayed as this kind of, you know, gee, gosh, I'm, you know, a, a good hearted guy and, and uh he, he he so seamlessly made that turn that it was effective, especially the fact that after the initial beatdown, they walk him to the back, he stops, he runs back and beats on Cena, and then does that two more times, three times altogether, uh, and just shows that level of aggression and that level of really kind of committing to that heel persona. And it makes it really interesting. Um, so I, I, I'm intrigued by this feud. I'm looking forward to see these matches. What do you make of uh, some of the peculiar casting decisions? So now we've got AJ Styles, who's pretty over as a babyface, as a heel. You've got, you know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Seth Rollins, who, <clears throat> you know, arguably was the, the hottest babyface upon his return when, when he took out Roman Reigns. And they just put together that documentary on him, which I don't know if you saw was fantastic and just makes him out to be this inspirational, hardworking guy as a heel. Um, you know, still kind of trying to force Roman Reigns uh, as a babyface. Uh, you know, do, do you uh, do you agree with some of these decisions? Do you, do you think that they should be tweaked? I always think that you have to kind of begin with the end in mind, and you have to think of not what's hot right now, but where you're going to go with it. So if you're building towards... SummerSlam or WrestleMania, those being the traditional kind of pinnacle marks, then yeah, I'm fine with it. Um, because I would wait a little while longer to turn Seth Rollins. Uh, I, I know you disagreed with it. And Dave Meltzer and the Wrestling Observer last week was, was saying the same thing, uh, that he thought that it was a missed opportunity. Um, but it, I think if you're telling a long-term story then pacing and, and, and kind of making things develop matters. Um, if you're just going with what feels right at the moment, then yeah, Seth Rollins should have been a baby face and, and AJ Styles, that heel turn could have been held off or, or not done. But I'm interested to see where both of those storylines go, especially with the brand split. Like if, if you're looking at having Roman Reigns as the top baby face in one brand and John Cena in the other, then they both need very compelling and intriguing heels and I think they've got that right now. Yeah, I do think that's kind of the X factor. We don't know right now exactly what they have planned. And it might be um, kind of a, a, a game of, of math, right, where uh, you need so many baby faces and so many heels on each uh, brand. And so even though logic would dictate, you know, that, that some of these guys are playing the wrong roles, the reality is, again, it's sort of a numbers game. Um, the, the one thing on that, though, and is I feel like it, it, not just now, for the last several years, it's been so hard to truly get a good guy over in the way you want a good guy over, right? Um, so when you have somebody who is portrayed as a, a, a babyface and the fans are cheering them and are crazy about them, I feel like you got to run with that because it's so few and far between. You know, when's the last time that they've had a really, really over babyface who is fighting for good, who fans cheer when he comes out? Um, you know, you get a, a, a small uh, hint of that with the New Day right now, which was another you know case that for months they were miscast. I mean, the fans wanted to cheer them, and they were still being booked as as heels. Now that's kind of been corrected. They're good guys, and the fans are going crazy over them. I mean, yeah. I, there is over an act as there is in WWE right now. 
Um, I think they might have had that with, with Seth Rollins. Um, the, difference, the difference is that if this were the old era, if this was the territorial era, um, then you could have a babyface, you could have a wrestler who, who's getting over and say, let's just, let's ride this out. Like, you know, we were going to, uh, I'm reading uh, The Grappler, uh, Len Denton's autobiography right now. And, and I've been watching some old, you know, footage too. And, and it used to happen in territories. If, if a babyface caught fire, you ride it. Hey, he sold out the past two weeks. Let's keep going with this yeah. guy and see where he goes. And and that was great because it would rejuvenate a territory and get everybody excited. And that's our background as wrestling fans from 20 years ago or whenever. That that was something in wrestling. What wrestling is now is it's a weekly episodic TV show. At least WWE is. And you can't just book on the fly like that. Uh, it would be beautiful if they could. Uh, it would be a better product if they could. Um, and, and just have that freedom. But this corporate mentality, this we're a publicly traded commodity, we need to have our superstars branded so we can have the merchandise ready for the next quarter. I mean, that's it's, it's the corporate jargon that kills creativity and kills, kills anything like this. Uh, so the spontaneity of somebody getting over, which is why something like Daniel Bryan, you know, a year and a half, two years yeah. ago, the fact that he got over and, and, and that zeitgeist really worked was was amazing because it was completely organic and grassroots and it happened to all work out. But, uh, you know, they, they had to be pulled, kicking, screaming for that too. Remember exactly. months, months before that rain, he was a member of the White family. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The, the forgettable. We'll never mention that again. You know, Principal Seymour Skinner, Armin Tanzarian <laughs> yeah. storyline. Um, yeah. Uh, but the thing is, like, I think that's going to be rarer and rarer still going forward uh with wwe and and that's a shame because i think that you do need to really feel the pulse of your audience and go with the hot hand uh but in in today's corporate environment i don't think it's possible yeah yeah let's talk uh, a little tna before we yes. uh take off here uh we've got a rare tna pay-per-view coming up slammiversary um I'd, I'd love to know what the uh, the buy rate uh is on that one um, but you know, that said, maybe for all the wrong reasons, they've, uh, attracted, uh, a lot of attention in the last couple of weeks. I was on their, their YouTube uh, page earlier today and just looking at the, the view counts for all their videos and they post videos all the time. And I'd say on average, each video has got 30 to 50,000 views. And then there's one video, uh, released sometime over the last week. That is in the three hundred thousand uh, a mark, uh, which for for TNA is just huge. I mean, that's yeah. absolutely viral, and uh, you know we touched on that. It it is the the director's cut of uh, Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy's uh, contract signing for Slammiversary, and again that's got about three hundred thousand views. And the next highest is a video that's got uh, one hundred fifty thousand views, something like that, and it's a different cut of the same thing. And all those videos are just doing huge. Uh, now, so, real quick, it, it, since you were on the TNA YouTube channel, how many views? I'm sure it, it must have been in the top five, so you must have seen it. When I did my appearance on TNA to present Gal Kim with the Female 50 Award, how many views did, does that footage have? Me and Jeremy, <laughs> when we did that, is that is that viral? Is it's that... just under that. <laughs> Maybe a little... quite a bit under that. But you know what? TNA was uh, a much hotter product at the time, so they, they might be in the same ballpark. There we go. All right. Yeah. They, they just, in general, had a lot more eyes on them. So is this a win for them, you know, for, for better, for worse, whatever the motivation, whatever the, the chatter is, you know, the okay. fact is a lot of people have been talking TNA and watching a TNA video. It, it's, it's a ridiculous video. It's the <laughs> silliest and goofiest and corniest thing that you'll see this year. And, and everybody knows it. And anyone who, who looks at it, and, and the thing is, maybe TNA was aiming for that when they produced it. I think they'd say that now. Right. I don't think they were. And I don't think the Hardys were. Like, the Hardy, you know, that's, it's like putting out uh, a monster mash. Like, you know, that, that old corny yeah. song, right? The monster mash. And they're like, oh, it's a novelty song. That's funny. And then saying, oh, yeah, we meant it as a novelty right. song. Right? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. I, I'm half expecting them now to do a sequel to that, something like that, um, that they are going to make deliberately campy that will fall flat. Um, you know, they captured lightning and wrestle crap lightning in a bottle <laughs> in, with that contract signing. And I, and I thought of wrestle crap uh, as soon as, as I saw that. I was like, wow, is it possible to induct somebody on, on the same week that, uh, you yeah, know, th- this happened? It, it's basically, that's the Gooker Award winner. For <laughs> yes. And we, we know our, we know that. Yeah. But the thing is, if, if it can translate to pay-per-view buys, and, and I don't think it will. I don't think that no viral no, that's, video. That that's not the kind of interest that you know. I guess you could say, you know, where I think TNA screwed up. I mean, this is this is kind of weird. Is in releasing that full video, the director's cut. The thing to have done was um, there was the shorter version, which was just as bad. And once that went viral, you tease the the full version, director's cut. On impact, and you make people tune into impact to, to see it, right. and then theoretically you can capture some interest and maybe sell a, a few extra pay per view buys. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I, I mean, I'm hoping that because this has gotten people talking about TNA, uh, more conversation about TNA than than I've heard in probably a year, maybe yeah. more. And and with Slammiversary, you do have the compelling main event with Drew Galloway. Uh, against Lashley. There are some other very good matches lined up on the show as well. And if this makes people begin to look at that card and say, okay, you know, I'll give TNA another chance. Um, You know, I don't think anyone is, maybe I'm biased, but I don't think anyone's going to buy the show to see Hardy versus Hardy. I mean, we've seen it. It's, you know, it's that good. Uh, We've seen it many times before. And and back when the guys were not a shell of their former selves. Um, But, it is good for the company as a whole if it does get more attention, a turn to the product. And, and I'll say this. I'm, I'm the first to pick on TNA. I don't take that video necessarily as a, a reflection on TNA. That's just the Hardys being weird and and um, the Hardys without an editor. Um, yeah. But, you know, when, when those are your biggest stars in your company, you're going to give them some rope if they're, you know, really interested in doing something like this. You let them do it. Uh, and it was just, it was just bizarre. I mean, I was half expecting Cheatham the midget to come out and and the, the, them to fly over to the White Castle of Fear. There is, if anyone who's listening hasn't seen the video, please take a moment and, and go <laughs> to YouTube and, and do it. But and the editing is so weird too, where Jeff Hardy riding his dirt bike and then cut to Jeff Hardy. It, it, at one point, I think he pulls into Matt Hardy's driveway twice. <laughs> <laughs> it's very weird. And then as he's walking to approach the wrestling ring, the camera pans down to his feet and then swirls. Or, it's just so strange. But And it felt you know, uh, kind of self-indulgent to me. Oh. I thought the whole thing was like an excuse to show off how big their houses were. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And hey, we bought a couple drones that have cameras <laughs> on. So let's do the sweeping overhead shots. But the other thing is, and what I can't understand for the life of me, and it's my favorite part of the video, better than the, the fake baby that's thrown or <laughs> going through the weird circular table that just happens to be there. The top flops off. The, the, it's the gardener. <laughs> <laughs> Did you even catch what the gardener said? No, what does he say? I don't know. It's it's Matt Hardy <laughs> walking to the barn where he keeps the wrestling ring. And the gardener says something to him. And he they have this watch it again. We're going to get those views up even higher tonight. Oh, my God. It's just, why did they cast a gardener? Was the gardener there and nobody told him he wasn't supposed to be? Was that line not supposed to be included? <laughs> So that's my favorite part. And my second favorite part is when Matt Hardy is in the ring saying, you know, welcome. It ends where it began, you know, in in this ring in my backyard, whatever. And Jeff Hardy takes a step towards him, towards the ring. Matt Hardy drops and rolls under the bottom rope. But it's the clumsiest drop and roll. And he gets caught in the bottom rope and then flops to the floor. Like, it's so, like, okay, we may have to re- reshoot that one take because you fell like a fool and got caught up in the ropes. <laughs> no, let's go with it. It's, just, it's so... 
There was oh. also a stupid thing that uh, popped out to me. There's some bad grammar in there somewhere where Matt Hardy says something along the lines of, uh, this is the ring in which it will all end in. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, I take that because he, he has the head injury and he, his, you know, the grammar, his syntax is off. You know, it's the bleach happens. But yeah. Here's, anyway. here's the other thing that I'm, I'm a little bit worried of. Uh, we have now, in, in, in wrestling, you've got your Seth Rollins with the brown hair and the blonde streak, yeah. the little Pepe Le Pew skunk thing. You have Matt Hardy doing it, and now Sienna's doing it. Like, we, we need to, okay, let's let's call a moratorium on the brunette hair with One, the blonde One, two, streak. trend. It's, uh, it's it getting a little overblown. <laughs> Anyhow, TakeOver just wrapped up, and uh, Joe beat uh, Balor, top rope, uh, what do they call it thing? The Muscle Buster. Um, Great-looking spot. Nobody comes out. He celebrates at, uh, on the ramp, and that's the end of the show. So, yeah, I mean, you wonder. So the what... NWA invasion will have to no, wait. No, yeah, it's a dark match, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You do wonder, though, I mean, um, I, I think a lot of people can be reading into not just who won matches, but who, who lost. I thought it was interesting that America Alpha dropped the titles back to the Revival tonight. Um, you know, I've said I, I think American Alpha is maybe the best act on NXT. Uh, was getting the titles off of them maybe a step toward bringing him in onto the, the main roster? And is that maybe the case with Finn Balor as well? This, I would guess, would mark the end of his title chase um, and, and the feud with Joe. So is he free now to come over to one of the main rosters? Who knows? Who, who do you like to see called up? I think Finn Balor is, is way overdue. Uh, American Alpha would be interesting. I would hold off on them until, well, I would expect that... Uh, New Day, the heir apparent for the tag team title would be uh, Gallows and Anderson, the club. And I think that the uh, American Alpha against the club is the better program. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily bring them up right away because putting them in against, you know, there, there's no drama. I think that the, the tag division has, has largely been comedy with the New Day and Enzo and Kaz and, and even the Vaudevillains. Yeah. Um, but the thing is American alpha should be taken very seriously, just like the club should. So I would kind of hold off on them for the time being, but I see that being the natural program to go with. Um, I'd like to bring up obviously Nakamura, Finn Baylor and Austin Aries. Yeah, I think those are, you know, Austin Aries might be the odd man out there. Um, I, there are some guys who are there who I think for better or for worse are going to be NXT lifers. And I think he kind of fits the mold, a guy who was a name and an indie sensation and has some credibility and NXT fans will pop for. But the reality is on WWE, he's whatever he is, 5'5", five, five, um, you know, late 30s. Um, yep. I, I just don't see it. Uh, I, I think, you know, guys like Robert Roode and, and Eric Young might – might be part of that as well, guys who you might see exclusively on NXT. Um, but Nakamura, for sure, yeah. I, I don't know if it's happening soon, but it's got to happen, yeah. You know, for me, really, uh, honestly, uh, Ty Dillinger. Yeah. He's been NXT and in Florida Championship Wrestling for the better part of a decade. And uh, he, he had the brief cup of coffee in the WWE ECW as Gavin Spears. Used to be Sean Spears. I've known the guy forever, and he is he 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 and uh, Cody Rhodes held the tag team titles in OVW. You know, back when Cody was first coming up, and at that time, the two of them looked to be on an equal path. Like who would make it first? Cody had the famous last name, and ten years later, Ty is is still in the same spot. That's a guy who is just a hell of a worker and a hell of a, a guy. I'd love to see somebody like that get their their moment in the sun too. He looked you know, good tonight, um, yeah, and we've really kind of put their time in. Yeah, and and because of that match uh, tonight, that was kind of a featured match. Um, I think there's a little bit of buzz around him, so so maybe some people take notice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you tend to look to the guys who've got uh, a reputation outside of uh, NXT, the the Nakamuras, 
and um, Hueros would be Austin Aries and, and the others. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, some of the homegrown NXT talent, a lot of which has been there, as you said, for, for many, many years, uh, shouldn't be overlooked. And, and it does become, you know, you know what, or get off the pot at some point, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And you look at it like uh, another guy who was a longtime developmental guy who, who they thought would never make the main roster. And if he did, he would never get over was Damian Sandow. And he's the kind of guy who he got over. And didn't that work out just great? <laughs> well, it didn't work out in the end. But the thing is, like, he he resonated with fans yeah. so much better than a lot of the guys that they tried to push down their throats. Yeah, it's because they spent so long in developmental, learning everything that they needed to do. That the moment the door opened up just a little bit, they jumped in and, and did the the most with that opportunity. Yeah, and I absolutely. think that Dillinger could be the same thing. Yeah. What I'm really interested, uh, you know, you could make an argument for calling all those guys up and I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to it. I mean, I'd really be excited to see uh, an overhauled NXT. I mean, really just just bring in a bunch of new talent. Um, I'd be curious to see who they would go after from from Evolve. And they've got that relationship there, obviously, from Ring of Honor, from Japan um, you know, the talk is they're they're in recruitment mode, and I'd love to see, you know, their their wish list. Um, and and I've got some ideas of who I'd like to see on it myself. I mean, yeah, uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what their wish list is. Look at this year's PWI 500. Yeah, because yeah, good point. This, the 500. I mean, WWE is looking more at the independents and internationally than any time before. And I think anyone who picks up the 500 this year. Will will really look at the guys that are on WWE's radar because you know the, the, that's who they're looking at. That's that's the people who are shining on the indies, and that's who will be spotlighting in that upcoming issue. Yeah, more pressure for us. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, Dan. Uh, this was fun as always. Um, we hopefully will be back next week. Uh, for the moment, let's listen to TNA Heavyweight Champion Drew Galloway. I remember um, being in Florida over WrestleMania 24 weekend, and that was the one that was in uh, Orlando. And then uh, I think maybe that Tuesday, uh, FCW had uh, a show at some, and I guess it was a a usual stop for FCW, but it was this basically dive bar uh, in a strip mall. Uh, And I remember seeing you there uh, walking around in the kilt, and it was just as unglamorous a a a job as I, I could remember and uh and, and what's that? Yeah, yeah, I think that's it, yeah. Yeah. I remember the bells were there. Was that T V I don't know, I don't think it was T V. I mean it was a bar and I remember that was like now NXT has all these huge amazing shows and F C W that was our we consider TV going with a handheld camera, the smokiest, dirtiest bar, yeah. a place called Newport Richie that everyone tries That's to avoid it. Yeah. as much as they possibly can. <laughs> it was like I remember Steve Kerber just film fighting with the crowd, like they'd be like a guy in an oxygen tank or a member smoking, and <laughs> there'd be people just in the background not knowing what else was going on. They just came out, a bunch of bikers just went for a drink, like why is there guys in underpants jumping around? And, <laughs> time when you're working in the dive bar in Newport Ritchie, uh, is it hard to stay motivated or, or do you, do you, you know, you just tell yourself that this is temporary and you got to pay your dues? Uh, because again, I mean, it doesn't get less glamorous than that. Steve Curran, everybody was helping bring that out of me. So they just connected him on the road and 
using the ring as a weapon and thinking outside the box and being different. Just kind of a shock, I think, to a lot of students at the time, just because no one had done that kind of indie style before. It, it, uh, I don't know, it was a bit of a detriment to me and affected me a lot of times because I didn't fight for a lot of those things to go in there. Now, every wrestles that way, but like I said, he just met with Seamus and I. You know, he wrestled his style, uh, which fit in more with everybody, and my style was more of an indie-based style. That kind of, you know, was a little out of the box. People can quite, I think, grasp it at the time, but now it's, it's the norm, I guess. Yeah. Everybody wrestles that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Then, you know, within months of that, you're, you're back on WWE TV and in as enviable a position as anybody uh, could be in uh, as the chosen one. I mean, essentially, here you've got, you know, the godfather of pro wrestling, uh, Vince McMahon, uh, in personally endorsing you. Um, again, I mean, kind of going back to, to uh, the question before, in retrospect, uh, could could that have set you back some? Uh, oh, could could it have been too much for, for the time? Um, I mean, you can look at it that way, but the way I look at it, uh, like I mentioned before, it's never been done before. It'll never be done again. Um, I'm always somebody who thrives under pressure. Like, you know, how would you feel if, like, I don't know, the, the PWI hit, unless that's yourself. <laughs> <All started. laughs> no. and, like, everybody was in the office and just pointed right at you and went, out here, out future. Everybody else, look at me. Get out, Castle here. He's my man. He can't do it. No one can't walk through the room. Like, how would you feel? <laughs> like, personally, I love that. Like, that, that motivates me. But unfortunately, it kind of pisses people off. And I didn't realize, you know, it was, I, I've never experienced the backstage stuff of wrestling. I've never been a wrestler and worked, worked really hard um, to get where I was at. And I hadn't experienced the backstage stuff and realized that if I much of that, um, and, and understanding that it was a character, the chosen one, uh, but, but how much of it did you sense that uh, uh, Vince McMahon and, and um, you know, the powers uh, over there really did take a liking uh, to you? Did, did you have any exchanges with, with Vince McMahon that suggested that he really did see something special in you? Not to to recover history too much, but so so what goes wrong? I mean, from from being the chosen one uh, and being as as in prime position as anyone. I remember, I mean, back two thousand nine, two thousand ten, you were on the short list of of uh, potential future world champions, and then just a few years later, you're you're part of three MB, which was a fun act and 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 um, did some good work, but uh, was slotted very low on on the WWE roster. Uh, so was it, I mean, I imagine it could almost be shocking. I mean, that, that kind of, uh, fall. Uh, yeah, I guess it was. Um, but in reality, I really wasn't doing much for a long time, about a year and a half before the GMP, the GMP thing started. Uh, I think the last thing I did was like Elimination Chamber match. I remember it went really well. Uh, it was the only one I was ever in in 2011, I believe. And 
week and nothing was happening. And then finally, they came to me with the BMP idea, and all I heard was an idea. And I said, okay, well, whatever he wants to do with me, that's fine with me. I'm going to do the best of my ability to make sure it works. And that's the way I've always looked at everything. You can walk around with a poop of face, or, and you can just give it everything you've got. And it was why it happened. I, I've heard things since, like, again, like passion can be a detriment at some time if people take it the wrong way. Um, but things work out the way they work out. I'm in the position I am now. And, the busiest guy in the world, and thankfully, uh, making the same money, a very, very fortunate guy right now, and things go the way they go for a reason. Yeah. When when you left WWE, uh, you know, I, I got the sense, I remember hearing you on, on the Chris Jericho podcast, uh, that you were really out to prove, um, not that they made a mistake, but that you were better than they thought you were, um, and uh, really hit the ground running. Uh, and, and Evolve, winning the Evolve title and immediately kind of cementing yourself as uh, one of the, if not the top free agent um, in, in the country, if not the world. Uh, did, did you have kind of a chip on your shoulder leaving WWE? Uh, I mean, I could say no, but yes, of course. Um, I wanted to go out and uh, it was more, like, you know, proving to myself rather than to them. Like, I, I really had much in a while on the show and um, I, I just wanted to go out there and just like you say show the world what who Drew Galloway is and what Drew Galloway can do and thankfully no Chris again a friend of mine was going to have me on his show um, and he's one of the guys kind of kick-started me on the ICW return for the Jericho show and the IC Vault title and those were all things that really you know, kick-started it and if I was on something I was going to make sure I was the standout performer not just looking the part I Something everyone always talks about because how he looks like. You know, the guy who beat the main event, I always wanted to show everybody, it's like, hey, doesn't matter what you look like, the fans need to know that crap. But the reason the fans are so responsive to me these days is just because they see the passion, they see how hard I work, just like a Daniel Bryan, like a CN Punk. It doesn't matter what you look like, people see heart and passion. That's, you know, all I've got in the end. Like, I always stop no matter what and want to be the best in the world, simply. When you arrived uh, in TNA, well, I guess we kind of touched on this, but but was part of your motivation was uh, to to not just elevate yourself, but elevate the whole company? Yes, absolutely. Uh, when I came in, um, I just... You know, I wanted to be myself. As I say, let's say, we're going to give you a microphone, you can say whatever you want. We're going to the beauty in Manchester. And uh, as I said, I said no initially. And uh, they convinced me that I'm clearing life to be myself. So I, I was in Scotland for ICW. I was flying back on the Monday. The show was on uh, the Friday. They wanted to interview me. I changed my flight. And uh, I said, okay, tell you what. If you really want to listen to my opinion, you have to show in Glasgow, Scotland on Thursday. If you're going to interview me, you should interview me in Glasgow, Scotland. So sure enough, he agreed with me to be in my home country. Got a great response. And then gave me a microphone uh, the following day. And they let me say whatever I wanted, and I just said how I felt. Um, and I remember at the time, it's just you know, my views on wrestling, and just wanted to wrestle. And, um, it really caught on, it really got people's attention. And since that day, they really, whenever they give me a, give me a promo. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember... Uh, uh, so uh, sorry, I was just checking out the other. That's right. Uh, I was just getting my information over. Anyway, no, no, since that day, they really have just stuff by their word. Any promo I get, it's not a case of you have to say this verbatim. They really do let me, you know, change it around. As long as I get a basic premise across and the storyline across, I really am allowed to say what I want. And it's like how it used to be back in the day when I talk to older guys. And they say, you know, back in the day, we used to get, you know, with the bullet points and talk to the writer and people out and do it our way because we know our character. That really makes such a difference to anything with the fans. And ever since that day, that's been the case. I felt more comfortable talking. Something people have not really pointed out. It's something that was super strong. It was always our tool. It's great. great decent wrestler. Uh, but now I have an opportunity to talk. It's one of my favorite things to do. It's just, you know, get your point across verbally. You know, it's so much in the ring, but sometimes you just got to say a few words to, you know, like explain what you're trying to do out there, what you're trying to do storyline wise. It doesn't have to be 20, 30 minutes long. It just has to be five minutes long. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's a fun part, fun part. Yeah, was it, when you were in WWE, was it as heavily scripted uh, as it seems to be now in terms of, 
you were given every word, or, or did you have some flexibility at the time also? Um, for a period, we had some decent flexibility. Like, there's a, a bunch of selected guys who used to do a promo class with this, which was like a university-style class. And there was like five guys on Raw, five guys in SmackDown. You saw us as core guys, like myself, and Joe Morrison, CM Punk, uh, R-Truth, Bill Ziggler. I think that was our class. And we would do a promo with Vince every week. He would explain just what he wanted. So we're getting it from the horse's mouth, what Vince actually wanted. He didn't say it, we can change it up, which I did a few times. Then eventually it kind of went off it, and then the king of it went back to, you know, trying to fix what's on the script. And it worked. He wouldn't say anything, but uh, it didn't work. He would, he would hear about it, but they were definitely more prone to, you know, just do it on the paper. Yeah. Which doesn't necessarily work if you're certainly not feeling it. It comes across as right. rehearsed, and it is rehearsed. And the audience can tell because they're not idiots, but, uh, you know, sophisticated audience these days, as I tell everybody when I do seminars, when I watch somebody do an arm bar and somebody's working at it, Was it like uh, working with Kurt Angle? I mean, being in there uh, with him, did did uh, obviously his reputation precedes him? But does that come through in his work? Is is he different to work with than a different opponent than any other opponent? Sure. Um, so, so the question, you know, it comes up a lot. Where do you see yourself in five years, ten years? Um, do, do you hope to still be with TNA, and that, and that there is a TNA, and that it's thriving? Like uh, you've improved a lot since you left WWE, and, and how have you improved?
people I worked with, people I trained with, the people I, you know, got to be in the ring with over the years and listened to. And that's really just my knowledge is through the roof because I had the best education you can have in the world now with what I had before, with the tools I have, with all that knowledge. I've been able to go out there and just, you know, own it, I guess. Like in ring wise, like my first match with Hero, he said carried me through because the wind wasn't the best coming out of CMB. But as the one thing I made event, I mean, the main event of Evolve, and you're the Ricochets and the Timothy Thatcher, the Maxim Juniors, some of the best wrestlers, the high flyers in the world, you're the main event. You better learn freaking quick how to be good. <laughs> you're getting quickly and melting taking out on you. So I was thrust into some prominent positions and prominent companies, and just had a sink or swim. And like I said earlier, the chosen one thing, I wouldn't have it any other way. Just get through Galloway the ball, and I'll score every time. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking this time. I appreciate it. It's been very enlightening. Oh, no, no problem. So, if there's anything else you need, uh, just don't hesitate to contact me. And uh, the magazine, I just got, uh, I can't remember the app code. It begins with a V. I get the online version. Oh, excellent. Keep us in business. I'm always checking out. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm always checking out what's going on. So, let me know when anything's coming out, and I'll make sure to pop it out there. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much for. All right, thank you, man. Best of luck with everything. I really appreciate you. All right, take care. Bye.